welcome to English Through History. Uh, today we're covering the War of the Roses. Uh, as always, if you enjoy this content, uh, please subscribe. It helps us to uh, make more content. It also uh, lets us know that we're moving in uh, the right direction. Okay, uh, we're looking at the War of the Roses, which was a series of dynastic conflicts that occurred in England during the 15th century. It was fought between two rival branches of the Royal House of Plantagenet, the House of Lancaster and the House of York, hence the name Roses, due to the symbols of each house, which was a red rose for Lancaster and a white rose for York. The War of the Roses was a bloody and violent conflict that had a profound impact on English history. It resulted in the deaths of thousands of people, including many prominent nobles, and led to the end of the Plantagenet dynasty, which had effectively ruled England for over three centuries. The conflict was fueled by a complex web of political, dynastic and personal rivalries, as well as religious and regional tensions. The cause of the war is complex, but essentially was fueled by family members of the Plantagenet house vying for the ultimate power, the English throne. In this section, we'll break down the timeline of events between 1455 and 1487, which brought about the end of the war, the characters involved, notable battles and the ramifications on English society. As always, we'll also break down some of the myths surrounding this event. Due to the complexity of the event, uh, we're actually going to cover this in several episodes rather than just the one episode. Um, it's said that the author George R. Martin took inspiration from this war through his novels Game of Thrones, and it's easy to see why. It was very brutal and featured many of the nation's leading aristocracy. It had elements of religion, revenge, ambition and treachery. The ever-shifting political landscape took an enormous toll on the common people and ultimately ended the power of the Plantagenet line completely, ushering in a new era of the Tudors. The cause of the War of the Roses is hard to attribute to a single event, but we can certainly say that the Hundred Years' War, an epic series of battles between England and France, certainly affected this war. Edward III, one of the longest-lived monarchs during the Hundred Years' War, had several adult sons, and he began to implement the practice of bestowing lands and titles to them. Over time, this created several issues that can be seen to contribute to the War of the Roses, namely multiple claimants that have legitimate claims on the English crown and lands and power that these people were given, allowing them over the years to create a new set of nobility that had wealth independent of the ruler. Over the Hundred Years' War, the power of the monarchy dwindled, and they were forced to cede more and more power to these increasingly powerful nobles. Forward a few years, and we now have two powerful branches emerging from this nobility and several lesser branches. The two main branches and the core of the War of the Roses are the branches of Lancaster and York. Each family had a legitimate claim to the throne and each wanted to ascend to power. A weak leader in Henry VI, a Lancastrian, gave the York family the opportunity that they sought. Henry VI inherited the throne from his father as a child and was beset with problems throughout his reign. 
He was, by all accounts, a timid and shy leader, and he lost a lot of power and lands during his early years. He possibly suffered from mental illness, and this affected his ability to rule. He married a French aristocrat, Margaret of Anjou, and had a child with her. She would become central to the wars as she had to shoulder more responsibility to make up for her husband's inaction and his indecisiveness. The main characters in the wars are as follows. On the Lancaster side, we had Henry VI, as I mentioned, the current king and effectively a weak leader. Uh, we also have his, ma his wife, Margaret of Anjou, and she was the possible power behind the throne. On the York side, we had Richard, Duke of York, father to the later kings, Edward IV and Richard III. We also have Edward IV. He served as regent for most of the war after the defeat of Henry VI. He was the first York member to become king. Next, we had Edward V, the son of Edward IV, and he was king for only a short time. We then had Richard III, also king for a short time and brother to Edward IV. He sent his nephew, Edward V, to the Tower of London and presumably killed him. Also notable, uh, and not really belonging to either side, is Richard Neville, uh, Earl of Warwick. He was a powerful nobleman, who, and he switched sides during the conflict from York to Lancaster. If anyone can be attributed to affecting the wars, it was the Earl of Warwick. Known as the Kingmaker, it's easy to see why, as his strategic cunning had monumental ramifications during this conflict. The first of the battles during this war was the Battle of St. Albans in 1455. It was the first major class of the War of the Roses, and it set the stage for decades of conflict that would reshape the political and social landscape of England. The battle itself was fought in the narrow streets and alleys of the town, and it quickly devolved into a brutal melee. The Lancastrians were initially successful, and they were able to push the Yorkists back. However, their advance was halted when the Yorkists were able to outflank them and attack them from the rear. The Lancastrians were caught off guard and their lines began to crumble. In the case of this battle, many of the Lancastrian leaders were killed or captured. The Duke of Somerset was among the casualties and his death was a significant blow to the Lancastrian cause. The king himself was captured and thus the Yorkists emerged victorious and Richard, Duke of York, claimed the title of Lord Protector. It was during this battle that the Earl of Warwick began to make his name, uh, leading his men well and showing great tactical awareness. After this battle, in essence, the power dynamics had shifted. As Lord Protector, Richard Duke of York now had power, but he was careful to still swear allegiance to the king, claiming he needed to protect the throne from other people and make sure that the king ruled well. However, Many believed he craved the kingship itself for either him or his heirs. The king's wife, Margaret of Anjou, rallied support for her husband, resisted the Duke of York and removed him from his position. Once more, for several years, unrest reigned and there were several skirmishes between the two houses and their allies, ultimately leading to a weakening of the York forces. 
The Battle of Northampton in 1460 was one of the most important battles in the wars as this battle led to the defeat of Henry VI once more. It was also the first time artillery had been used on the battlefield in England. The battle seemed to have favoured the Lancasters and Henry VI again. However, some of the men betrayed the king and allowed the York forces to capture him under the incentive of the cunning Earl of Warwick. The lord who betrayed the king was Lord Grey, and he subsequently was rewarded with a position of influence by Warwick. Once the betrayal had happened, the battle was over quickly, with the Lancasters defeated. Richard of York was once again given the title of Lord Protector, and more importantly, his heirs were named as successors to the king, effectively removing the king's own son in favour of the Duke of York's. This was signed into law by Parliament, and Henry, being captured, was forced to agree to this. So it is at this stage we'll break, uh, we'll take a break in this complex set of events, and we'll leave you uh, with the stage set for our next episode. So Richard of York had finally achieved his goal of guaranteeing succession through his line. His fortunes and the fortunes of the York branch had been reversed due to some uh, strategizing from the Earl of Warwick, whose reputation was, was quickly growing. However, it wasn't completely over, as this set of events led to Margaret of Anjou once more rallying support for her husband. She had escaped the battle and was still at large, taking with her their son, also confusingly named Edward. She's called the She-Wolf of France by Shakespeare, and she was certainly an impressive woman and seemed to possess a level of pol political acumen that her husband did not. So make sure to find out in our next episode what new intrigue follows her. <laughs>